we'll get everybody to start making their way back. Well, I'm, uh, let me be one of the first ones also to wish everyone here a Happy New Year. And all of those that may be tuning in today, uh, Happy New Year to you, 2023, if we can believe that or not, and uh, how exciting that is. So uh, a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. First of all, we're going to be finishing up uh, our study uh, on the letter that is before us. If you'll notice, we have Tau that is there right now. And then as soon as we finish with Tau, we're going to jump right in and uh, in the back sheet, if you will, you're going to see that there's also the, uh, the sheets for eschatology. Now, eschatology is the study of last things. And, you know, listening to the membership and uh, many questions that have come out has been, what are some of the things we anticipate as we look at the last days that are going to occur? And so reality is, is I don't know how much longer we'll have with this. I mean, this is the last letter that we're going to be looking at out of the book of Psalms as well as the last Hebrew letter. And uh, we've addressed a lot of the details, but as we draw this one to a conclusion, we're not going to rush through it. We want to finish it. You know, in reality is, I'm very excited about studying eschatology, uh, this, you know, and going into the book of Revelation, which is going to be our primary source that we're going to be working with. Uh, but we are also going to be looking at uh, steadily why we need to know the Word of God. So let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 119. Psalms 119. And I will show this to you. One of the principal verses that we're going to really be looking at out of Psalms 119 is Psalms 119 verse 130. And uh, I want you to see how important that's going to be as we enter into our study with eschatology. And notice what it says. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And so if you look at that very carefully, the word of God has never been made complicated. Now, what's interesting is that, um, you know, I've listened to other people say, well, there's been a lot of people that have um, made predictions, and uh, they wrote their, their predictions and the, and the like, and yet there is so much obscurity. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but one of the things they talked about was uh, the, the prophecies regarding Hitler. Well, if you go back and you look at the prophecies they like to use in regards to Hitler, they're so obscure that you can't even make heads or tails of it. But what's interesting is God's word is always simple. You know, it's a simple plan of salvation. It takes human beings to complicate it. And I want you to think about that for a moment. If we really understand this, really the grasp is to understand what the word faith means about. You know, it says, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Reality is, is that we have faith, and faith brings us to a knowledge of salvation. So when we think about it, it is our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ that brings us unto salvation. Yet we try to complicate it. I mean, I, I remember this. My poor son, Jeremy, when he was a, a young lad, he came back from youth camp and he announced to me that he was saved and I took him into a dark room, put a light on him and everything else and I closed the door and I grilled that poor young man for about an hour making sure he was saved. 
And finally, the one thing that caused me to really understand how foolish I was was this statement. He said, Dad, don't you believe me? Don't you believe me, Dad? And you know, the reality is, is that we may not understand completely the way of salvation and how simple it is, but aren't you glad that it's not complicated? Aren't you glad it's not dependent upon us in any way or fashion? Aren't you glad that the finished work of Christ is just that? It's the finished work of Christ. Well, we're going to go to Psalms 119. We're going to go all the way down to verse 169. And uh, here we have already taken a look at the uh, beginning of this, and we want to finish up today by looking at these verses together. Let's read it, shall we? Let my cry come uh, near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utterly praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have uh, chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgment help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Let's pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for your purpose, and I want to thank you that you have given the blessing already of this day. I pray, Father, that the things that will be taught as we uh, conclude in this particular passage will might be a blessing and a help and an understanding. Now, Lord, I pray that you will just guide us and bless us, help us to understand the things that are written before us, and may we rejoice in thy name. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, and the reality is, is that as we take a look at this particular letter, it almost seems like everything that's underneath it is sort of like, I, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I, I notice this about many Christians or so-called Christians. They want to think that they have the right to judge. They have a right to elevate themselves. They have a right to do whatever is necessary uh, to bring more attention to themselves. But the reality is, is that the closer I am to Christ, the more humble I am. And the more humble I am, the more I understand his goodness, his mercy, and his truth. And so I know my failures. I know the, the physical failures that I'm going to face. But I also know the rejoicing that I can have because of the overcoming power of Jesus Christ. One of the things that, I, that does alarm me, it seems like so many people today want to cause God to be a, a puppet and then the marionette. In other words, they want to control the movement of God, and it's just not that way. If I want to see the power of God in my life, I have to humble myself in his sight. So when we think of this, we have to understand the conclusion of the matter. Let's take our Bibles, and if you will, let's, uh, you know, if you've got a tab or whatever, hold your place here for a second. And let's go over to the book of Ecclesiastes, again written by uh, Solomon. And in Ecclesiastes, right before the Songs of Solomon, there we go, chapter 12. Let's go down to verse 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Everybody there? Notice what it says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God 
and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, I want you to get this for a moment. Do you realize the, 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 the punishment? Do you realize that we literally bring out a great big magnifying glass and we want every church, or every mission, if you will, to be exactly like we are in the way of truth and the way of understanding. But in reality, I want you to think about this. Every church is never going to be exactly like we are. You know, when I left many years ago and I went into the military, I, I, I looked for a church like Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. I really enjoyed being with Pastor Willard Pyle, and I loved his teaching. I loved every little aspect about what went on with that old church that we, we were at. And so when I went into the world, I looked for a church exactly like the church I grew up in. There's no other church like us. In fact, one of the things that I love about it is that this church, the closer we get to each other, the more that we love each other, we have our own unique properties. We have our own unique ways. We have our own unique sins. We have our own unique methods. But understand this. You cannot force people to obey the law. You cannot force In fact, that is but I want you to let the conclusion of the whole matter. So you want to get to the don't feel the love. I just don't feel the relationship. And I've had this I've had this discussion with people in the past. And then I will always look at it and will say, when was the last time you were in church? Well, it's been several months. Then why is it suddenly my fault that you don't feel the love when you've not been here to love on us either? Reality is, is that you can look for love that matches your desire and you know maybe God's leading somebody away we have to accept that but you cannot have that desire if there's not a love for the people and a love for God look what it says in verse 14 for God shall bring every work into judgment aren't you glad that you are not like Solomon and David and Hezekiah and everybody else and have your sins exposed in the written word of God. I am. And yet, here we have this book that is there. Look what else it says. With every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, the day is going to come when we will have all exposed. Reality but we will have the, the perfect blood of Christ to cover it all. In other words, no guilt. It's not because we will pay the penalty of what has been done, because that has already been done upon Christ. Isaiah chapter 53 says, And with his stripes we are healed. All of our paid it all. 
that is a license of forgiveness that has been bestowed to us by Jesus Christ. I want to show this to you as well. It's not in the notes, but I want you to go over to the book of Acts chapter 15 just for a moment. Acts chapter 15. And again, this may surprise you what should be the expectation of every mission work that is out there, every young church that is existing. Now look what it says, and if you will, one of the things we find in Acts chapter 15 is that there has been this great dispute, because while Paul and mission works through Asia Minor, there were those Pharisees which said that they believed that crept into uh, the Antioch church, and they began to persuade them, you must be circumcised. And after a while, down to verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. By the way, you know who James was? He was the pastor of the church there. So he had already heard the things of God. And look what it says in verse 14. Simeon hath declared how a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written, after this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. And the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all what he said we need to tell those people. So he's given very amazing and very important for the growth of his church. You wouldn't think that a church would have problems with fornication. And yet, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us just the opposite, does it not? And from things strangled and from blood. In other words, these four simple things are what will be required of the church. You want to keep yourself pure? sound simple. How many of us, would, if we told that to a church, we'd go, that's all you want us to do? And yet, do you realize how difficult that is? That's very difficult. 
So when we get over here to Psalms chapter 119, the conclusion of the matter is what we see here with this letter Tau, or Tav, as we take a look at it. Notice again that there are so many parallels that are, uh, that are closely aligned. I made this mention last time that we were studying this together, how that the close alignment is found in Genesis chapter 5. So let's go over there for a second. In Genesis chapter 5, Notice that again, this is where that letter begins to point itself out to us. In Genesis chapter 5, we find the whole message that is getting ready to address itself. And we're going to go down to verse 25. And notice this, we are going to be talking about a man named Methuselah. And Methuselah lived a hundred and, uh, and hundred eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived at the begat Lamech 780 and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. And Lamech lived after 180, he lived in 182 years and begat a son. And he called this shall be a comfort and this same shall comfort us comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because the ground which the Lord hath cursed and Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred and ninety and five years and begat sons and daughters and all the Lamech and all the days of Lamech were seven hundred and seventy and seven years and he died and Noah was five hundred years old and Noah begat Shem, Ham and Japheth now why did why is this so important you have the conclusion of the matter in the time of before the flood when literally the door is going to close. And so now you're going to see the distancing of what we would call the Adamic time frame before the great flood. And now you're going to see Noah rise up on the scene. It is at the very end of of Lamech's life, that 770 years, which was very strange that a person would die that young, but again, this was all in the plan of God, and he would die. And so, in that time frame, we now see the closing of If there's one thing that I have discovered, is that if God closes one door, a new door is going to open. I'll give you an example of this, and this just happened a week and a half ago. I, as you all know, I was getting ready to go out to Colorado Springs. All right? So I go to the airport, and when I arrived there, I said, great. I said, uh, uh, I'm here to catch my flight, and they said, your flight has been canceled. Oh, that's always good news. What do you mean my flight has been canceled? Not to worry. You can catch the next flight Monday morning, and then you all can go out. I'm going, what's the odds of me going back out there on Friday on Monday morning and then having to turn right back around because my return ticket was for that same Monday? I said, I can't do that. They said, well, here's your voucher, or you can call them, and they'll refund your ticket for you. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and get it done. I'll, I'll give them a call. And so I could have been upset at that very moment. In fact, there were people going, well, is there another airline that's going that way? 
What it was is the connecting flight coming into Charlotte was not able to leave their destination, therefore it made it impossible for me to make it on out to Denver. So there were people that were scurrying around with So Lord, why don't you want me to go? Let me ask you this. How many of us get frustrated and how many of us actually say, Lord, why don't you have me go? Now, I could have been very frustrated, but I thought, okay, great. I'm going to go on down and see my son that's in Georgia. I'm going to be with him. So I spent my entire vacation down in Vidalia, Georgia. Had a great time with my son. But on the sad part is, and, and I've seen this so many times, instead of looking for God's goodness and God's plan, we look at things from a different perspective. We're going is, why am I being picked on? Anyone ever been there? Why is this happening to me? How many of us have ever thought that God has a plan and a purpose that goes beyond our own thinking? Reality is, I'll give you another example, and again, this had to deal with the airlines. When my son Jeremy was about 15 years of age, I was asked to preach out in California. And so, uh, Jeremy, being uh, you know, in high school, I said, would you like to join me? He said, yeah, Dad, this would be great. So we flew out, we had a great time, enjoyed the preaching. Well, on the way back, you know, he was on, scheduled on one flight, I was scheduled on another. So I went up to the ticket counter and said, is there any way that I can join my son on this flight? I said, I, I just feel like I need to be with him. They said, yeah, no problem, we'll get you on. And so we ended up going towards, I think it was Dallas, and on the way, the storm had gotten so bad around Dallas that they diverted us in Oklahoma City. And I sat on the tarmac for three hours. In that time frame, the flight that I was scheduled on landed in Dallas, took off, and went to Nashville. I didn't get there in time to catch my flight, and they didn't have me scheduled with Jeremy till the very next day. You say, well, Brother Peter, what are you on about? Had Jeremy gone by himself... He would have been in Dallas, Texas, by himself for that entire period of time. Was that by chance? Or did God give the blessing so that I could be with my son and watch over him and protect him? I'm sure Jeremy would have done all right. But at the same time, I'm so glad that God saw fit to allow me to connect. Why do I bring these things up? Because deliverance is more than just the Word of God. It is allowing the grace of God to direct our lives and everything that we do. How many of us are going to be more apt to pray before the flight takes off than we are to get in the car and drive? In the car, I feel like I've got control. handle. But when I'm in the airplane, there's somebody in the front end. I hope he had plenty of sleep. I hope he's not drunk. I hope he hasn't done anything wrong. Oh, God. Reality is, I have no control over either one of them. And, you know, coming up here yesterday as I was driving, the same thing holds true. We were in constant rain. It was just that drizzle that was there. And I thought, Lord, just get me there safely. Look what else it says. It says in verse 170, Let my supplication come before thee, deliver me according to thy word. When I think about thy word, the deliverance begins with salvation. I am redeemed, not because of my own works, but because of the works of Christ. 
I have been delivered by his mercy and his truth. Therefore, this is the cry of deliverance. When I was saved, and you know, one of the things that Joe and I talked about when we were there is, what is salvation all about? Salvation is the cry that says, Lord, I know that let me see. trust in him, not because we trust in ourselves. Look at verses 171 and 172. My lips shall utter praise. My tongue shall speak of thy word. from time to time and they will say something that is just so profound I'm going why was I not allowed to see it why was I not allowed to see it now the thing that's amazing is I know within myself that I love the word of God and many times when I read the word of God I go ouch not amen because there is conviction with the Word of God. I love it when I hear a preacher that gives me the message that I need. Sometimes it is just the reading of God's Word that makes me think over and over again. You see, I don't understand all there is about the book of Job. I don't understand everything that's in the book of Leviticus. I don't understand every little part of every angle of the Word of God. But I believe it, and I know it's true. And many times people may come to me and say, well, don't you for myself. I really find a problem when people want an immediate answer without me giving proper consideration. I feel like I'm being sold a timeshare. You ever go to a timeshare meeting? You walk in, the first thing they do is, this is the last opportunity. If you don't sign on the dotted line today, I'm like, well, I'll just get up and I'll leave. Well, let, let me see what else we can do for you. It's almost like they want your money. <laughs> they want to sell you a bill of goods. The same thing holds true when someone thinks they have an angle on the Word of God that goes beyond what you know. They think, boy, we got you trapped now. And what frustrates them to no end is when I say, I need time to think about what you just said. I'm not the sharpest knife in, in, in the drawer, okay? Or as they say, I'm not the best tool in the, in the tool shed. Reality is, is that if somebody wants me to say something on an angle, I need to think about what they're saying and give it proper thought. If I tell somebody I will get back with you, I better get back with them. Look what again what it says. My lips shall praise thee, when thou hast taught me thy statutes. In other words, don't make these man-made statutes. That's called Phariseeism. The Pharisee said, you got to wash your hands before you eat. The Pharisee said, you can't do anything on the Lord's day. The Pharisee said this, the Pharisee said that, and they had built up a religion. 
Do you realize we do the same thing if we're not careful? By the way, how many times did you wipe your feet on the pad before you come in the church building? That may sound crazy, but I've had people ask me that as I've walked in their church building. Many years ago, I had a full beard, dark brown beard. You remember those days, brother? You remember, Greg, when we used to have darker beards? I remember I had this full brown beard. I lived down in Florida, and as I walked into the church building, I was suddenly stared at like I was some sort of heathen. You see, they didn't like beards. And because I did, I wore a beard, it was like, well, you can't be our pastor because you have a beard. And I remember what one old lady said to me. She goes, are you willing to shave that thing off? I felt like saying, do you shave your armpits? But I didn't go that far. Anyway, reality is, is that we... Nothing to do with the Word of God. In fact, I had a person say one time, do you think it's all right to grow a beard? I said, is it all right to shave one? We'll leave it at that. But look what it says again in verse 172. My tongue shall speak of thy word. Do you understand? And again, I want you to see this. This is, this is so powerful. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it speaks of how that we are to address one another. Go down to verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5. And it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is an access, but be filled with the Spirit. Reality is, is that I don't need a, I don't need a man-made spirit to make me enjoy the things of God. I can rejoice every day over the things of God. I'm giddy over the things of God. I know that may surprise you. But look what it says in verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Reality is this. There should be such a joy and a melody in my heart. There rings a melody. And if I have the joy of God, you're not going to snatch it. Do you realize that David faced peril after peril after peril in his life? And yet he rejoiced and he gave it all to God. Always. That goes beyond thinking, doesn't it? And so if we understand the power of that message, it's a beautiful thing indeed. Let's go down to verse 173. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Now, I don't want any hands raised, but how many of us know that we're really saved? Now, don't raise your hands. This is the practice of faith. Now, I want you to get this. I will not understand the totality of my salvation till I drop this mortal coil. Then my faith shall be sight. Now, right now, I believe my faith is secure in Christ. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
that day is the coming of the Lord. I'm saved. And I'm not saved because I know so much about the Word of God. I'm not saved because I'm a powerful preacher. I'm not saved the stories that I hear, like what Brother Randy brought the other day, or not too long ago, when he talked about a lady that was there, and she had been setting up, she had been suffering from dementia, and she greeted each one of the family members and, and talked to them plainly. And then her last words was, and look who's walking through the door now. Wouldn't it be great if you could share that testimony with your children? Have no fear. wonderful if you could share that with the church. That's understanding. The depth of my salvation and the depth of my praise for Him. So when it says in verse 175, While I am upon this earth, I should give praise unto God. Always. You want to talk about a turmoil in life? Do you realize that as David was getting ready to pass on from this life, already there was continued turmoil as Bathsheba's son Solomon and another son by the name of Adonijah fought for the throne. You would think, after David had served so many areas of his life, that he would finally find peace upon his deathbed. It doesn't happen that way. I love my sons. And you know what I found out about my kids? They're perfect sinners. And as I understand that they're perfect sinners, I also know that they cannot but live a sin that is in their life. They've inherited Adam's fall. And even though they may want to do things correctly, according to God's word, deep down inside of them, there is a screen that says, I want it my way. But if I want peace, I can't find it in Tony, I can't find it in Jeremy, I can't find it in Timothy, I can't find it in Joe, I can't find it in any of the other family members. My peace is in Christ. Everybody get that? The only one to bring me joy and to bring me permanent, lasting peace will always be in Jesus Christ. Oh, I love my family members. Even when they do things wrong against me, I will always love them. But what gives me that love? How many of you want to see your children or a family member go to hell? No one. None of the redeemed will ever want that. But what the redeemed want is to sit down and fall on their face beside their children and pray with them. 
putting their hands upon their stomachs, their hands on their heads, and from the time of their baby saying, Oh God, save my child. And rejoice with them on the day of their salvation. The final verse we have. <coughs> I have gone astray like a lost sheep. I want you all to know this. I can confess before you all, all the wrongs that I've had in my life. And there's a lot of them. Praise God I don't have to address them. I can say it this way. I have sinned a great deal, but they're all covered by the blood. Look what David says. For I do not forget thy commandments. Seek thy servant. Lord, when I walk away from you, as I know I have, Lord, draw me closer to you. You know what I love about the Word of God? It's always convicting. It's always special. It's always growing. So this concludes our study. And as we have concluded our study through the book of Psalms, chapter 119, I pray that it will be a blessing. I actually thought that maybe I could finish up Psalms 119 ahead of time so we could start right with eschatology. The good news is we can start our study with eschatology afresh. So the second Sunday and the new year, by God's grace, will begin with the study of last things. And you know what? I've just studied it, I've studied it, and I've discovered one thing. The best is yet to come. Isn't that right? Let's pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity of study, and I pray that everything that has been stated has been a true blessing for each and every member of this church. Go with us now as we conclude in these services, and bless us in the hours to come. In Jesus' name, and amen. We're dismissed.